Thanks for downloading this podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be broadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy wherever they get their podcasts. My favourite time with Murray Walker was... Um, Basically, you go, I, 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 was, I had an incredibly privileged, one of my, my favourite days in my entire life, favourite evenings of my entire life. Back, I think it was in Brazil, 98. I went out to, I was invited to the a dinner run by the Stuart Grand Prix. And due to a quirk of the seating, I ended up opposite Murray Walker and Jackie Stewart. And in a three hour dinner, I think I said about 12 words. I just listened to the two of them, just recollect and talk and bounce off each other. And it was just a fabulous, fabulous time. And, and you know, yeah, the, the, the stories and the anecdotes. It was, just, it was an amazing. I've never been more entertained uh, than by those two guys. Now, you know, two of my, uh, unfortunately, of course, I left this, but two of the, the, my favourite motorsport personalities, and, and they just were just so enthused by the business, so enthused by the drivers, so enthused by the history, and that that came out. And, 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 and yeah, the Murray you, you you thought you knew on TV was the real Murray. It, that was the weird thing about it. He was exactly the same. He was always pleasant, always warm, um, just a great guy. I think it's well known on, on this channel about the weird way in which I ended up in the, the F1 paddock. And I think it's important to realise that coming in on the F1 Digital side, one of the things F1 Digital had done was severely limit the quality of the programming which, which ITV and the other existing broadcasters had received. So in fact, in many ways, there's quite a lot of animosity towards us by, you know, by some of the presenters and some of the uh, um, the communicators. Interestingly, the, 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 people, the two people in ITV uh, who were nothing but lovely. Um, one of whom was Jim Rosenthal, who I've got a huge amount of time for, and the other was Murray. Murray never was never bothered about, you know, never had anything against negative to say about the Digital Plus operation or ourselves. You know, they actually, obviously, in those days, the only way you could watch um, the practice sessions, the Friday Saturday practice, was, was on F1 Digital. So they would watch that as well. So they got to know what we did and you know, the coverage and the interviews and that sort of stuff. And, and you know, I'd often bump into Murray in the press centre. He was always incredibly warm. He, he, he remember my name almost immediately which was which was terribly flashy this is years before my name was written on my shirt you remember what it was um and he often used to say you know, ask me questions like what do you know what's what's going on and we'd have little conversations it was just little conversations he was just you know he was a he always wanted to know more and, and i was a source of information as, uh, for him as much as as anyone else so yeah i mean it was it was really breath of fresh air to have someone from the itv side treating us like a human being and not like a pariah who'd ruined their day anybody who thought they knew murray thought he was a lovely guy. Anybody who did know Murray knew he was a lovely, lovely, lovely man. He had time for everyone. He knew everybody's name. And sometimes 10 years can pass and someone he's met as the other half of a commentary, uh, you know, a commentator's wife or husband or someone, he'd know not only their name, but also what their job was. He remembered they worked at Harrods or just a remarkable man, but he was so human. And one thing that's made me quite across, just feel a little bit Oh, really? Why? The easy way out is to talk about Murray's mistakes. I'm not going to do that because he made only a fraction of them. And you know what? He corrected them. As as it happened, he went, that's a minardi. Sorry, it's something else. And you learn from that. And I just thought Murray's enthusiasm was one of the reasons I got into to watching motor racing. I had already started, but I would say through the 70s as a teenager, he cemented my love of motor racing. And that was chapter one. Chapter two was then not watching it on television, actually being at the circuits as a young journalist. And long before I got into commentary, 
you know, I'd go and introduce myself to Murray or more to the point, he'd see me wearing my magazine autosport jacket and come and say, hello, I haven't met you before. He was so proactive and I loved the way Murray would walk the paddock. He might be at a Grand Prix, of course, everyone wanted to talk to him, or he might be at a Formula Ford race, winter series at Brands Hatch. It might be, you know, sort of about freezing, eight o'clock in the morning, he's already in the paddock with his clipboard, walking around, saying hi to everyone, but really doing the diligent job. He, he'd check, oh, that's a yellow car from that team and a red, and he'd be taking his notes because he really, really prepared so hard uh, for everything he did. But it was his style that really, really stood out once he got commentating. I, I defy anybody to watch or listen to a Grand Prix where Murray was commentating and not come away feeling invigorated and inspired and entertained. Well, like everyone of, of our age, my first recollection, of course, is listening to Murray, be it um, mostly commentating on, on Grand Prix, but of course, Rally Cross as well, and the other things that the uh, BBC pool of commentators to turn up on. But yeah, it was it was it was the the kind of expectation of staying up till half nine or ten to watch the half hour highlights on BBC Two or perhaps catch the start of the race and the end on Sunday grandstand. In fact, even Saturday, I remember when the uh, the races were on Saturday, I remember um, watching a race, I think on a holiday, I was about ten, uh, I think the Silverstone race. So yeah, yeah, Murray Walker and his commentary was absolutely ingrained and the Murray and James combination was yeah, it was a dream for everybody. Yeah, you had a, yeah, the, 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 the professional commentator and the Maverick, you know, barely contained with each other. And it was just a, it was, yeah, it was a fabulous double act. And, you know, the, you know, the interesting at the time, you know, it, 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 you know it, in seeing the retrospect, everyone you know, loves him for his, for his errors. There are a lot of people who were, you know, anti him and say, oh, he shouldn't be able to, you know, he shouldn't be doing it. He's making these mistakes, but it was all, it was all out of passion and it was, it was, you know, underlying a, a great understanding. And, it, and he was a fantastic, said, he was a fantastic communicator and that's how we all knew him first as a guy who, who talked us through Grand Prix, who knew what was going on, who, who formed this relationship with the drivers. And yeah, it, it was, it was, it, it was our, the boyhood of all of us, uh, or the person, which I say, including the ladies of all of us who enjoyed motorsport in the seventies, eighties, and even the early nineties. When you're commentating, you haven't got the luxury of looking at the picture and thinking, shall I say it this way? Or shall I say it that way? Or shall I say it this way? You say what comes into your head to describe the picture that you are seeing and the emotions that you are feeling. I always regarded my job as a commentator was not just to inform. Anybody can talk about who's leading and who's in third place. I was always conscious of the fact that we were in show business. When I became editor of Autosport, he had no reason to write to me. I know he read the magazine every week, but... um... Here we go. He sent me a letter. It arrived literally the following morning. My sincere congratulations. It goes to prove you can't keep a good man down. And I look forward to enjoying the fruits of your labours. Every success to you. Kind of disregards Murray. It just stands out. He didn't have to write that letter, but he, he just really cared. And he cared for people, not just because he thought they were nice, but also he really appreciated people who did a good job. And, um, Back in the days when I was a young journalist, he said, do you want to come and join me in the commentary box at the Formula Ford Festival? But since my bread and butter was Formula Ford at the time, I couldn't trust myself. I knew if one of my favorite drivers, one of the people I'd have a laugh with in the paddock was nerfed off into the barriers, I might say something that possibly wouldn't fit on TV. I, I regret it now because it would have been magical sitting with Murray. But I have sat in the box with him. I did, I did a piece for the magazine uh, just looking at how Harry worked his weekend, uh, what really opened my eyes wasn't so much what went on in the commentary box. It was what went on before. 
going back to doing his research. But he didn't just go hi to people. He asked them questions in the paddock and he knew so much more than came across in some of the broadcasts. But that didn't matter. He was gaining the experience and the knowledge that he could then impart. And it really made for the show because he understood racing. He was from a racing family. His father raced motorbikes. But one of the things that I enjoyed the most in my career so far was recording a double cassette set for the BBC radio collection to celebrate. It was called Murray Walker at the Beeb. And I laughed so much doing the research, doing the interviews with Murray, having lunch with Murray and his lovely wife, Elizabeth, going down to his house, their house in the New Forest and sitting in the fabled study, the room you've seen so many photographs of Murray, always sitting there with a wall full of books behind him. I was quite pleased to see a few of mine in there. Maybe he was subtle enough just to stick them in behind where he was sitting. But you know what? He would have read every single one of those books. And another thing that's this is blowing my own trumpet a little bit, but it's only because he's such a nice guy. Uh, paraphrase, an introduction to a book I did long ago, the complete encyclopedia of Formula One. He says, Bruce, you're a star. You've done a fabulous job, the results of which I'm delighted to have on my study shelves. Hurrah. My one regret, it's too big for me to have in the commentary box, for then I really would know it all. Again, just he writes from the heart. He's just... An absolutely top bloke. Most of my working with Murray was uh, was as a lap scorer uh, back in the uh, late seventies and early eighties, um, and uh, yeah, I was there for. I didn't didn't do all the races, but I did some races with Mike Dudes and couldn't do them. And it was it was tremendous fun because he was super organised, uh, just uh, just a gem to be around. And and uh, you know, James he he did for most of the F one races that I did. He he was obviously with James Hunt. And uh, it was it was just great days, and I mean, always always remember James would sort of you know stroll into the into the booth maybe thirty seconds before we went on air. I guess I, I learned that one from him, um, and he'd always have a couple of pi- couple of pints of beer in his hand, uh, and one of them was was not for not wasn't for me the other one, and nor was it for Murray. It was always for for James, and uh, Murray used to get so mad about that, but he was super ultra professional. Super organised. I, I think I model the, the kind of preparation charts that I do on what I sort used to see Murray doing way, way back then. And then finally, to 25 years later, I got an opportunity to work alongside him in the broadcast booth for, for Network 10 Australia for a couple of F1 races. And just, uh, you know, it was just it was wonderful for me to be able to to actually you know, talk alongside him as well. Uh, and uh, just a great guy. I mean, just down to earth. No, no BS whatsoever. Uh, always positive about everything, and uh, just 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 a great guy. You know, he and his wife Elizabeth, just two of the nicest people on this planet. I'm going to take you right back to his early days. He tried a bit of commentary work um, on the motorbike motor, motorbike beats, and then he got his chance with cars. Jonathan Martin, head of BBC, God to to Murray, as he'd explained to me, said, um, "You know, I'd like you to start a bit of commentary, or could you help me with commentary?" I think it was the 1949 British Grand Prix and Murray, the junior boy, is sitting out in the commentary box at Stowe and it gets the lunch break and he thought, oh, God, I hope I'm going OK. He then ran as hard as he could to get back to the main commentary box over by the pits. And they saw him. They said, what are you doing here? Oh, I just ran across to check that uh, you thought I'm doing OK. But you've got to run back now. You'll be out of breath by the time you get back to Stowe. Oh, yes, right. You are. So off he sprinted a quick mile and a half back. So full of enthusiasm. But it was just his passion for everything. And um, one little story, he was saying that if the head of sport at BBC said, could you do this next weekend? He'd go, yes, sort of, in brackets, what is it? Oh, it's weightlifting. OK, so he, 
that time running a very successful advertising agency, sent his uh, secretary out to get to, to the British Weightlifting uh, uh, Association to pick up a handbook. He then spent the weekend uh, or the rest of the day, day and those evenings at home practicing with the broom handle, the, the snatch clean and jerk. So he was ready for the action. And uh, just typical of the man in the Royal Tournament, he said he, he did so much research. He thought this is such an enormous thing. I can't drop it. And particularly with his, his, you know, his background in the Second World War in the army, he wanted to get it right. So he said, I even knew the name of the regimental goat. That's Murray. One of the things I remember most about um, an interaction with Murray was actually after um, the Japanese Grand Prix. And I think it was probably 99 or 98. It was, one of the end, it was definitely when Japan, Japan was the end of the season. And it had been a, a long, difficult flight. It was heavy jet lag. We had a terrible flight on the, on, on the way home. Um, coming back from Japan, and we were all kind of negative. I was chatting to one of my to, the, to my other pit lane reporter, and we were having a moan about, oh yeah, I've got to get on the plane, I'm going to fly, and it's jet lag. And then this um, this voice from behind it, remember Nick, never forget how privileged and lucky we are to be here. And it was Murray Walker, and that's how, and that's what he felt. He felt we were privileged and lucky, and we really shouldn't moan about <laughs> things like flights. But yeah, it summed him up. He was a, just, just yeah, he was, he was, he was a great guy, and. He felt privileged and lucky to be there, and he was able to convey that to everybody. He, he was just the ultimate, uh, not only professional, but enthusiast as well. He just loved everything about, uh, about motor racing. Um, and uh, and you know, that passion came through uh, every time he, he opened his mouth. I haven't seen Murray in recent years. Few people have. He's been away at the tracks less and less, but I think it was really notable in about... Oh, the years will have flown past. He'd stopped doing the commentary. I think it was 2007, 2008. He came back to, I think it was the German Grand Prix. And just seeing people in the paddock greeting him, an old friend was back looking exactly. And in fact, I'll touch on that because one fact, uh, uh, when I went down to do this piece for the BBC, um, Murray apologised. said, sorry, I've only just got back. And I said, well, what have you been doing this morning? He went, oh, I just managed to beat you home, but I've been at the gym. And I went, oh, gosh, OK. You know, thinking, Murray, you're about 80 at this point. He said, oh, yes, I go um, four mornings a week, do an hour in the gym, push really hard. So maybe that's uh, some of the reason for his longevity. But also, I would say with Murray, it was passion for people, passion for life. And we were lucky with Murray Walker. His principal passion was motor racing. And I bid farewell to a gentleman and a gentle man. And the world's a poorer place without him, but let's flip it over. The world is a far, far better place for having had Murray Walker around. <laughs>